from the Rams facility at Cal Lutheran. Welcome to a new episode of Between the Horns. It is May 31st. I'm Miles Simmons. I am joined by DeMarco Farr. What's up? We are out here on the practice fields at Cal Lou. You can kind of hear probably some jugs machine action going on in the background. But, you know, we just completed day five of OTA practices. Yeah. And DeFar, just what have been your impressions of this thing? Uh, you know, everybody's on the hop. Everybody is, uh, they seem pretty excited to be out here. I mean, every football team is going to be excited to get back on the grass at this time of year. I mean, you're getting closer to actual training camp. Yes. So, but I, I like what I see out here as far as the freshness. Um, I like the way Sean McVay runs his OTAs, his camps. Um, very efficient, especially on the offensive side of the football. Yeah. They get a lot of work done in a short period of time. So. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch for yeah, me. You know, for me too, and and maybe it's just the new energy. I mean, maybe it's because of how much like I love football, you know, and anytime you're just kind of around the game and you're seeing these guys and they're excited and all these things, it, it, it's fun to watch. But I think we've seen a little bit of the way this team is going to play. And I mean that in the sense that you see, as you just said, you know, McVay's practices, they're pretty up-tempo. Mm -hmm. You see all the work that they're going to get done, and not necessarily saying that, oh my gosh, all we're going to do is see the Rams go no huddle all the time, but there's a sense of urgency, I think, to pretty much everything that they've been doing, and, and I like that. Well, I like coaching changes for that reason, because it kind of resets everything. I mean, yeah. all jobs are up for grabs. Everybody's in competition. And that's, I think that's what you're seeing mm -hmm. uh, with everybody hustling around to, to different drills and, you know, trying to get their reps in. You're trying to impress your new coaches and vice versa. So um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've had more fun watching this offense just to try to get a feel for what they're going to try to do and who they're going to try to feature. Now, you can't tell in OTAs no, uh, right now. Thank God you can't tell. Yes. <laughs> um, but you kind of have a, an idea of there's an actual structure being implemented right now. And, and that in itself is a great thing that can help you in December. These little base things that you're doing right now are bread and butter stuff that you're working on. So that stuff's been cool. It's been fun for me to watch the defense, no doubt, mm -hmm. the 3-4. Now, I wish 99 was here. You do, I yes. wish Aaron Donald was here to, yes. so I can see what the defense would really look like. But it's been fun watching Wade Phillips and this defense kind of install what they're going to do. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that because um, once Aaron Donald didn't get here, you and I were, you know, at practice and we said, where is 99? You know, because... Well, I knew he wasn't in jail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing about it was, and we both were saying this, that it just, it felt a little bit maybe out of character for Aaron Donald not to be at football practice because we know how much he loves football. Right. But at some point, I mean, with the way he's been playing since he came into the National Football League, it's about time for stuff like this to happen. Right. And it has to happen. If you look at what his base pay is going to be versus yes. what he's given this football team and what he showed the National Football League, you knew some sort of contract talk was going to take place this season. So if you didn't get it done before OTAs or before minicamp, there's a good chance you might not see him. So, um, But you still expect to see 99 on the field because you know he loves it so much. Right, and I think that was sort of the reason why it was like, oh, my gosh. Aaron Donald's not here, you know, despite the fact that you can understand why there would be some contract negotiations at this time. And because it is voluntary, because it's not costing Aaron Donald anything, I think it's fine that he has decided to just train in Pittsburgh. And, you right. know, he's been posting these right. videos on social media and you can see, you know, he's going through the ladders, he's doing everything. And I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. If there's anybody I don't think you have to worry about in terms of not being here and still staying in shape, it's that guy. No doubt. Uh, you know he's going to work on his game, and it means a lot to him. 
Um, he's just not here collecting a paycheck. I think he has designs on being great, uh, even if you won't say it. You can tell by the way he plays. Yes. So, yeah, that's that's a guy you can actually absolutely trust away from the facility to to stay in shape. Now, you'd rather him be here with the rest of the guys to build that camaraderie. Yes. Um, to be in on the jokes, and that's the funny thing, man. I mean. All the pranks and jokes and, and, and bets, they all start now hmm. because this is the light time of year. So, I mean, you don't want to be away from that yeah. sort of stuff. I mean, because when it really gets, you know, down and dirty, when it really gets thick uh, and, and you're in the fourth quarter of a battle and you want to be around the guys that you went to work with, I mean, you want that stuff to carry over. Now, as soon as he gets here, uh, it's going to be like he never left. Right. We all know that. Yes. But you want your guys around you and with you 24-7, when they should be. So when a guy is not here, you feel it. Mm -hmm. um, but when it's a situation like this, you understand it. Sure. But, but, you know, having played yourself, what kind of things do you think he's really missing by not being here at this point? But just being with Robert, being with Barwin, um, understanding what Michael Brockers is going to do in this situation, in this front and coverage that Wade Phillips has called, what the meeting room is going to be like, um, what the adjustments are going to be, um, you know, what the installation uh, schedule is going to be. It's all stuff he's going to pick up in a blink, okay. but it's he's going to have to do some catch up for not being here. And guys are going to have to catch up around him because... You know, he's getting up to speed on his first day when he shows up here. So you hope it's something that gets done sooner than later. But like I said, I mean, everyone in that locker room, I would bet, understands the business side of this. Yes. You know, for what he was going to be paid, for what he's given you, yeah, something had to change. Well, and the other thing about this is, you know, talking about general manager Les Snead. He said at the Combine that Aaron Donald has probably earned himself a raise. So it's yeah. not like this is coming. And he was joking when he said probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's not like I think this is coming to any surprise to the organization. And, you know, from what Sean McVay has said, from what Les Snead was saying last week, it, it seems like all parties involved want to get something done as quickly as possible so that Aaron Donald gets back here, he gets what he has earned, and then you also see him back on the field and learning this. Absolutely. Defense. If we represented Aaron Donald, we probably would say you can't go to OTAs. Right. Yeah, I mean, and he would probably try to fight us over. I mm -hmm. want to go play football, but hey, look, this is what you hired us for. Uh, we're going to get you the best deal possible. And look, um, I know you don't like to talk about yourself in this light, but you are one of the best defensive players in this league right now. We have to get this taken care of, and we will get this taken care of sooner rather than later. So uh, as long as he makes it here for the next OT or the next mini camp and yes. definitely for training camp, I, I don't foresee a problem well, at all. Well, and the other thing about the, the mini camp, the mini camp is mandatory. So, you know, once it starts costing a guy something, yeah. then that, I think, serves as a little bit more motivation, even right. if it is, you know, some chump change Only, that, yeah. to, for a player or whatever. That's funny. Voluntary. Only all pros. It's only for all pros. Is it voluntary? <laughs> for really? everyone else, it's mandatory no matter what it says. Get your butt here and you know it. Well, it, It's I, football. It's, it's the NFL. We're working. Where else would you rather be? Sure. If you're a football player. If you have designs on making this, making this team or making it in the NFL or being a superstar at some point, when football stuff happens, yeah. you want to be there. Well, the the other aspect of it is, you know, since the CBA that, that got ratified in 2011, you know, where you cut down on a bunch of the off-season stuff. Mm -hmm. And I read this the other day. It's almost like this portion of the off-season program is phase one of training camp. 
because you're getting out here, you're on the field with everybody, offense, defense going against each other. Mm -hmm. You're doing a lot of installation, and there's only so much practice time that you're going to get. You know, you don't have two a days anymore in training camp. So that sucks. This does it? Yeah, it sucks because I went really? through two a days. Oh, so you think everybody else has to go through two a days because yes. you did it? Yes. I hate that kind of thing. That's, That's so ridiculous. Bad. That's too bad. No, it, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And the Come guys on, that man. came before me had to go through it. So what? That's that's football. Sometimes traditions are meant to be stopped. You should have to suffer to like stopped. everyone. Tradi no, traditions are meant to be stopped. You wow. know what? You know what? I'll, I'll do this glory days thing. Yeah. When I was in high school, we used to do this thing called the eat off, right? So the, the what? The eat off. The eat off. Yeah. E a t off. Yes. This sounds gross. So we would get. And it was it's gross. a family show, Miles. We would go. I know what it kind of show okay, it is. Eat off. Okay, I know go my ahead. name is on the Doesn't podcast. That sound it's gross? fine. Eat off? Yes, it does. Did, did he just go? My name's on the podcast. I did. Wow. He I just did. big time me. Go ahead. I did. Anyway, I big time you. That was that was That's pretty right. weird. But you only get one. You only get one. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, it's fine. We haven't been on the podcast for a while. But so what we used to do is we would go to McDonald's and like all of the old uh, the upperclassmen yeah. would have a freshman or a freshman and a sophomore or whatever. And we would basically be instructed that you have to eat a certain amount of food in a certain amount of time, and you know whatever happens happens, okay. right? So people would have to eat like 50 chicken nuggets, and I think there was one guy who was in my grade who had to eat like I don't know 75 chicken nuggets, and he did it. But you would always have you know things coming back up with the way they reversal should stay of fortune. down. Gotcha. Yes, okay. you would always have that reversal of fortune. And so basically, at a certain point, it's like all right, we need to stop doing this because what's your point? You because lost me. My point is that some traditions need to be stopped because they're ridiculous. Two-a-days aren't ridiculous. I know. That's, yes. There, there are so, Hall of Famers that, hold their, that, <laughs> that owe their whole careers to two-a-day practices. All right, I guess, like, I sort of reversed my own point here. Thank because, you. Because, like, I don't necessarily You talked yourself mind. into a circle. I know. I don't know what I was Smart doing Smart guy. But, His name's on the podcast. Yeah, I know. Great. But my, my point was that sometimes traditions are stopped because of good two reasons. Two-a-days, look, two-a-days are brutal. But they do make you better. Yeah. And that's not to say that the way you're doing it now, guys can't get better. Obviously, they can. So that's you what I'm saying. You just have to be smart about what you're doing. Right. Yes. So you have to maximize the time that you have. If you don't have two-a-days anymore, then you've got to maximize the time that you have. That's why I'm saying, like, this part Why are you of, so hostile today? I don't what know. What is wrong with you? A Did lot. you have too much coffee? We don't. I don't drink coffee. Switch you know to this. Sanka. Relax. You know I don't drink coffee. Is this that what is, it is? Yeah. Then how do you get so high strong without caffeine? That's why I don't need caffeine because I am this I'm high so strong. I'm so worried about him, man. <laughs> I, I swear. I, you know, I, I, if I was a head football coach and I wanted to put you on my football team, I don't know where I would put you. Why? I can't trust you on defense. Oh well, you can't trust me on defense because I don't understand defense. No, I just I don't. You, I don't think you'd stop when the whistle blew. I think you'd actually keep going. No, I mean you know when I was in high school, there were times where I, you you like to get that extra shove in. You know when you're on the See offensive I mean? line, you play through the echo of the whistle. If you were like the size of Greg Robinson, I think you'd be in jail already. Oh, stop that. I think That's you weird. would be. I think you'd be in jail already. They just lock you up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're 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 partially psychotic. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Well, anyway, there's another person who is not here, um, and that happened this week, and that's Tremaine yeah. Johnson, yeah. the cornerback. And, you know, when Sean McVay was you talking yesterday, it was – You read my mind. Yesterday, it was – it, well, it was kind of, you know, we don't necessarily know where he is, but you got to remember that these things are voluntary. Didn't see him today either, so it's not like it was just a one-day thing and, and, and he's still not, uh, and, and he showed up today, he's still not here. But, you know, what kind of things do you miss when it's the cornerback and not just the defensive tackle? Well, from what I gather about a Wade Phillips defense um, from guys that have played for him or coached for him in other places, uh, it's fairly simple for the guys up front. Okay. And it gets more complicated as you move back hmm. in the defense. So meaning the secondary, 
there's a lot going on. There's, uh, there's a lot that you need to know, and it takes reps. Um, it's not all about just X's and O's on paper. It, it, you have to physically go out there and rep what you're doing so you have a feel for how this defense actually works. So he's a great player. Jermaine Johnson can pick it up in a hurry, but I'd rather have that guy on the field here with the rest of the guys. Uh, like it or not, you're a leader. You're one of the best players they have. Um, so your best players should act at, like a Cooper Cup who you have to drag off the field every day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, practice is over and that guy's still getting work. So you'd hope your best players would behave like that, mm -hmm. would still have that hunger. So I don't know why he's not here. Uh, no one seems to know why he's not here. Um, but if you can be here, even in a voluntary situation, you need to be here. Sure, yeah, and I, and I think that's sort of fair to say because again, you only get so much practice time, mm -hmm. and especially when you're learning a new defense like this. And, and it's not like Tremaine Johnson has not been here. I mean, Sean McVay was saying yesterday At this point, that, he can run any defense. Right. At this point, I, you can plug Tremaine Johnson in anybody's defense and he can run it. He's, right. he's a smart enough player to do that. Yes. But it's just symbolically, what, what, how teams function, leadership-wise. Right. Uh, you want your best guys out here, even when they don't have to be. Yeah, and uh, you know what? To that point, we've been seeing Tavon Austin out here, you know, and he has been Another guy. working. Yeah. Be, even despite the fact that he had that wrist injury, he's had surgery, you know, he's supposed to be back by the time training camp starts, but... That's the right example. Right. Yeah. You know, we've been seeing him out here. He's been running around. He's been doing what he can right now because obviously, you know, your wrist doesn't affect your feet, right? So right. he's been able to run around and do some things and still work on his craft, even though he can't fully participate. Tavon Austin, when he's not moving, makes me laugh. What do you Because mean? you actually get to see what he looks like. Because, <laughs> you know, in game day, the guy's moving around. He's so fast. Yeah. It's, he's, he looks like a little blur. So when he's just standing, you know, in one spot, it just it looks weird. And you can tell. You can really feel how much he wants to be out there, mm -hmm. um, how much he wishes he could heal whatever is ailing him in his wrist so he can get back out there and practice. I mean, it's not just about games. It's not just about Sundays for him. It's football is his life. Yeah. And, you know, y you'd like that to permeate through the entire roster. But, hey, look, uh, this game, this job means different things to different people. You know, it, it could be just about a paycheck. It could be just about what I do on game day. It could be just I'm hiding and ducking, so I won't have to get a real job for as long as I can hold off. But um, guys like Tavon, guys like Cooper Cup, like we're talking about, when football is their life and all they want to do is win, you want more of those guys on your football team. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Cooper Cup, though, too, because yeah. we've been seeing him out here. I mean, you've mentioned I'm afraid him a to of talk times. about Cooper Cup. Though. Why? I don't want to jinx him. You don't want to jinx him. I don't him. want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx him. Um, jinx what about him? Well, I just, I, look, um, he was brought in for a reason, and it was definitely to help Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's, I don't want to say possession receiver because that's not fair. <laughs> Miles. All right, I've called him a possession receiver before. <laughs> Fine, yes. But he's a guy that I, any quarterback could trust to know as much as the quarterback knows about the offense and the defense. So. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that he's going to get a lot of looks come September, mm -hmm. uh, come preseason. He's going to get a lot of work in this offense. Um, I just don't want to jinx that because he is a rookie. Right. Yeah, but you can just tell from the way he practices yeah. and uh, the way he prepares. Uh, he doesn't prepare like a rookie. Mm. He doesn't seem like a rookie. He seems like a guy that's been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were talking about this. I mean, we when we started this podcast, Cooper Cup 
was out there on the field still going at, you know, trying to make himself get better. And the, the interesting thing about that to me is, you know, we've heard a lot about Cooper Cup's football IQ, but it doesn't seem to matter to him what he might already know. He wants to know more. He is all about making sure he's out there learning everything that he can so that he can function in this offense at a high level. Yeah, it just seems like guys like him, and I've played against guys like that that aren't really clock fast. I mean, their 40 time is not something you would say, wow, that guy's blazing, but right. it seems like they're always going faster than everyone else. It's because of their their total knowledge of the game. Mm -hmm. They have a complete mastery of the offense, what they're doing, what they're trying to do in the concepts, and they also know you. Mm -hmm. They also know your concepts and what you can and can't do and what your rules are, and it just seems like they always beat you to the spot. And when you have a quarterback and a receiver that are on the same page, it almost looks like magic. Yeah. You know, they're always hitting dead spots. Well, look, that, that comes with hard work. They didn't just wake up and do that. Right. They're working hard to do that. I used to see back when, and you saw this too, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison working out yeah. before games, mm -hmm. running the route tree. And then they'd go into the game and it would look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that same sort of work with Jared Goff and, and Cooper Cup, it may not end up in Canton, but I guarantee you it may end up in the end zone at some point. Well, and that's been the nice thing. I mean, you start seeing all these things kind of translate. And yes, it is very early. And yes, you know, guys should sometimes look like all-stars when they're just in sh shorts and jerseys. But I think there is still something to be said for when you can execute things as they're called. And we're seeing a lot of that, I think, with Jared Goff, uh, with Cooper Cup, with Robert Woods, too, who we forgot to mention on the last podcast, I think, when we were talking about wide receivers. So these guys are seemingly building some kind of chemistry right now, and I think that's really important as you've got this young quarterback and you want him to get to the next level, you know? No doubt. Was it you I was talking to on the sideline because we're always talking about Robert Woods? We don't actually know how good he is. Yes. Because of who was who throwing him the football with before, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. in, in, in Buffalo. So uh, who knows, man? I mean, a lot of talk, a lot of the talk about the Rams offense always goes to the receivers, and they always say the same thing. I don't think they have a number one. I don't think they have a number one receiver. And I'm thinking it could actually turn out to be a Robert Woods. Maybe. With the right guy throwing him the football, with the right offense that actually functions like it should, you can take those deep shots with a guy that can get open. There's no question Robert Woods can get open. Mm -hmm. It's yes. just when you look at the stat sheet, maybe the numbers aren't there. But when you turn on the tape, he's open yeah. a lot. Yes. So maybe he could turn out to be that guy. Well, the other thing I think about is with Sean McVay's offensive system, do you really classify a number one wide receiver? I mean, think about Washington. Who was their number one guy? Hmm. You know, uh, Pierre you could, Garcon, maybe. Would you, yeah, would yeah. you say it was Garcon, or would you say it was Deshaun Jackson well, because he's the deep threat, or would yeah. you say it was Jordan Reed because of the way they use the tight end? That's funny. See, to me, the the number one receiver would be the guy you go to when you need a play. Okay. Not in the function of the offense when after a kickoff and you're just starting the game and you're establishing yourself in the first quarter, sure. but when you get late in the third or whenever you need a play, that's the guy you're going to dial up. It's mm -hmm. not. We're scheming to make this play happen later on down the line. We need a play right now. We're going to call it for you. Right. Like Dallas would do with Des Bryant. Yeah. Or with A.J. Green. Those mm -hmm. Julio Jones yes. would be a number yes. one option. You know what? We need a play. I'm going to you, period. Forget trying to set it up. We're just going to hit you. So uh, who knows? I mean, maybe Robert Woods could be that guy. It could be Cooper Cup. It could be Tavon Austin this year in this offense. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Or, like you said, it could be one of the tight ends. Right. And I think that's one of the most interesting things, though. But uh, to, to the point of... Okay, who is the number one guy? 
maybe it is Robert Woods, but I don't necessarily know that you have to classify somebody as the number one guy. Because when you're, the names you just brought up, the Julio Jones, the AJ Greens, the even the, the Antonio Browns of the world. Yeah, they have they have pineapple in their diet. Yeah, that what means does that mean? they go to the Pro Bowl a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not in Hawaii anymore. I know, though, but that's so what that's what we used to say they, back they, in the day. They, oh, they're wearing Mickey Mouse ears on their helmets. Can we say that now? You ruined it. Orlando. You just ruined the I whole did? thing. Yeah. Go ahead, move on. I have, ahead. I have a tendency. You know to what I'm talking about. But yes, I'm. But there are only so many of those guys that are in the league right now right you know and there are only so many of those guys at any given time but I do know that there's only so many of those guys in the league but there's only so many of those quarterbacks too exactly that could make those guys actually yeah that could make those guys so look the better golf gets the better these receivers are going to get exactly so uh, the thing I think about golf right now or should I say whatever quarterback it is well I don't (laughs) know I mean, you know what's funny? Okay, so we can get into this too. I mean, yesterday it was a hell uh, of a headline. <laughs> what the, what happened yesterday? I mean, right. like people were saying like, oh, Sean McVay didn't give such a ringing endorsement to Jared Goff, right. and like I don't know. I, if you the way it didn't come off like no. that to me, I think he was just kind of politely but answering. Sports a talk question. radio probably would take it that way because they need to fill four hours. Sure, of yeah. course, and there's not that necessarily much going on in the but, world of sports right now. But I bet Belichick would say the same thing about Brady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way you should. That's I, the way you right. should speak as a coach. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you see good things from different quarterbacks, yeah. and you're going to play the one who gives you the best chance to win. And I think if you look at the end of that quote, he said that guy is clearly Jared right now. You know, so I'm not. I don't think that there is necessarily an open quarterback competition, but if something were to happen and Sean Mannion is showing more than Jared Goff right. or even Don Thompson, right. you know, it would be showing it was more all than just Jared for Goff. Fun. You know it's right. going to be Jared Goff. Yes. Yeah, it's his show. I, I just don't see that happening right. because Jared Goff, I think, has done a nice job so far right. in OTAs. That's almost as fun as, like, trying to compare LeBron to Michael Jordan. Oh, stop. We're I mean, r- really. You're, I know why you're saying you gotta that. you got to feel like eight out. Well, why, why, why am I saying that, Miles? Because Because, you of know, course. I'm a LeBron I fan. I know, I know. Or slash Cavs fan. Yes. Right. You know you're going to lose, that. right? We can talk. We're going to talk about that later. We don't need to talk about that. Yet. That's for the end of the podcast. I just love messing Marco. with you. Go ahead. Don't ruin my run. I was trying man. to end it. You already insulted me twice. <laughs> no, but um, I, I think what we've seen of, out of Jared Goff is just this sense of accuracy. Uh, talking to Matt LaFleur a couple of weeks ago, he mm-hmm. said this at um, rookie minicamp. He said that he actually has been a little bit pleasantly surprised by just how accurate Jared Goff has been in practices. And I think he has kind of translated that uh, throughout the offseason program now into OTAs, which we're, we're able to see. Well, it, you know, if you go back and look at what Kirk Cousins did and how he matured as a quarterback, mm-hmm. you can look right to his accuracy, his completion percentage, yes. and how it went up and up yeah. and up. And now the guy's worth what? He, he, $20 million quarterback. At least. Yeah, at least that much. So, I mean, I think that might be the first thing you can point and say that could be a function of the offense or how he's being coached. Uh, your accuracy is there. Knowing where to go with the football and trusting the guys in the pattern will make your completion percentage automatically go up. So yeah. maybe maybe it's a function of that. But uh, I've, like you said, I've been impressed with his arm strength more mm-hmm. than his accuracy yeah. in, in OTAs. I mean, he's really getting the ball out and he's getting it out quick and it's getting there in a blink. So... Uh, you saw shades and signs of that last year, but to see it when he's the starter from day one in OTAs and he's breaking the huddle every single time with the starting unit, uh, you can really see what, what could be if you actually get protection for him. Yes, and I think that makes a significant difference. Just the, the mentality of coming in, not necessarily just being the number one overall pick. You know, the Rams went up and they traded for you, and then you still have to learn the offense. You have to learn where you're going to live, you know, what, what life is going to be like in the NFL. 
having that one year of experience. And then beat out a guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, having that one year of experience, coming in knowing that you're going to be the starter, I think that probably makes a world of difference mentally. But also I think you gotta you got to talk about who is around Jared Goff now, just from a coaching standpoint, right? I mean, with Sean McVay as the head coach, with Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator, with Greg Olson as the quarterback's coach, they have created a unit that can help Jared Goff get to the next level as an NFL quarterback. And Andrew Whitworth is now your left tackle. That helps too. That would definitely help. Uh, We should call him Eclipse. That guy blocks a lot of sun. That's funny. I mean, he is huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would definitely help my confidence as a quarterback, having that guy, you know, protecting my blind side. But, you know, having a good coaching staff, having a good plan offensively, and having a young quarterback that's, you know, like a clay to be molded, Mm -hmm. uh, that you can mold in in the image that you want. I mean, that's that's all good stuff. I mean, all the stuff that Goff had to worry about last year, he doesn't have to worry about this year. All he has to worry about is being the best quarterback he can possibly be. And the guys, the, the other 10 guys in the huddle are looking at him as the guy, mm-hmm. not when and where or whatever. And right. it's not a split locker room. It's just Jared Goff is our quarterback, yeah. and we're going to support him the best way we can. Yes. Yeah. So you brought up the left tackle, but let's talk about what's going on at right tackle. Do we have to? Yes. Okay, go we ahead. We definitely have to because, I mean, it's, it's an- one of the biggest stories this week, and it's something that, you know, you don't necessarily want to see if you like Greg Robinson and you like his athletic ability, but – Jamon Brown has been taking snaps at first team right tackle. And so coming into this thing, we all were sort of anticipating from left to right, the the, the offensive line to be Andrew Whitworth, Roger Saffold, John Sullivan at center, Rob Havenstein at right guard, and then Greg Robinson at right tackle. Mm -hmm. Now that's not, it's not to say that this has not worked out already, but for whatever reason, uh, Jamon Brown, and I think it's actually a credit to Jamon Brown, he has elevated himself to the level where they want him taking those first team snaps at right tackle. And it's a real competition right now between Greg Robinson and Jamon Brown. Well, you know, Kurt Warner was a teammate. So I know that story of a guy who gets an opportunity and doesn't give it back. Yes. So I'm all for Jamon Brown going out there and playing his guts out to keep that job. But I'm hoping that Greg Robinson responds because right now, now he's had reps at tackle in the National Football League, reps at guard in the National Football League. And on the right side is a converted right tackle who's playing guard and a converted guard who's playing tackle. And you're backing both of them up or backing one guy up right now. You better respond to that. Mm -hmm. Being behind watching that should almost kill you. It Mm -hmm. should almost make you want to be better. So, um, look, this is is a tough situation for Greg to be in. And the only one that could help him out of this situation is Greg Robinson. Right. It's all up to him. So, look, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what's going to. Well, it's something I feel like we've been saying for the last year, if not longer. The only person that can really help Greg Robinson out of where he is is Greg Robinson. Right, right. Okay. And this is, I mean, because that's something you said during... Uh, when, when Greg Robinson got deactivated mm-hmm. during the season last year, you have to be able to somehow elevate yourself and do whatever it is that you need to do in order to get your play to where it needs to be so that you're on the field. Right. When I was a rookie, Tank Younger told me a lot of things, and I swear the longer I go on in this life, the smarter he becomes. And he also said, he said something when I signed my first contract. He said, remember, the playground's full of great athletes, hmm. guys that just don't have jobs. Great mm-hmm. athletes. They just don't have jobs. And as you go on, you start to figure out what he means. Uh, Greg's got a lot of talent, Mm -hmm. but the clock is ticking. I mean, the clock is ticking, definitely. So uh, you've got the ability and you've got the the body to to be a 10-year player, 10-plus-year player. Yeah. 
but you can shorten that considerably if you don't fight back from where you are right now. Right. And I think that's sort of the spot where he's in. I mean, we already know that the Rams have declined his fifth-year option being a first-round pick. So it's a contract year for him. And so that's where you have, like you have four to or five of those guys, right? What do you mean? That had their fifth-year option declined. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah, and one guy was already cut. Right. Yeah, so that's a that's a short list to be on. That's, it is. that's the bad list to be on. It is. I mean, to be blunt about it, yeah. yeah, it's a very bad list to be on because it means that you have not performed up to the expectations that are set from where you got drafted. So at this point, you're right. I mean, you you've got to figure out a way to get yourself out of that and make yourself where you need to be. Yeah. Just I mean, look, you're gonna have to you know, double, redouble your efforts and, and get back out there. And look, look, I think the, the Rams would be better with him on the starting offensive line. That's just me, with his a- athletic ability. And but you can't tolerate the mistakes. Right. You, you just can't go backwards in, right. in that regard. You and, can't. And that's the issue. I mean, if you're going to have those mistakes, then they're not better yeah. with him out there, and that's why he's not out there. I had the same argument years ago with Richie Incognito. Oh, really? Yeah, Richie couldn't control himself. He was a personal foul machine just waiting to happen, <laughs> but he was also your best lineman. Yeah. So people wanted him benched. I said, well, who you got that's better? Well, but, the, 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 okay, but this is not the same conversation. Because right, but this is not... the only one that can help Richie out of that is okay, Richie. Right. right, and, I mean, in a lot of ways he's done that. I mean, yes. he's become, you know, one of the better offensive guards in the league still for the Buffalo Bills right now. Right, so, and I thought his career was done yeah. leaving St. Louis. So, look, there's still time for Greg to turn this thing around. There is, but he's got to start doing it. You know, right. he's got to start showing it on the field. So, I, I thought I want to talk about Jamon Brown, though, a little bit. Yeah. Because, I, I, like I said, I think it's a credit to him in the way he has been preparing that he has now got himself in position to make this move because of the way he's practiced. I mean, you see it out there. Uh, Sean McVay said this yesterday that one of the things he's liked the most about Jamon Brown is his ability and willingness to be coached. Well, you're not seeing Jamon Brown make sort of the same mistake twice when he's out there. You know, even if he's having trouble with something, then the next play he's going to get it right. And, and I like that about him. I like his nastiness. I mean, mm-hmm. he plays for keeps. Uh, that's the fun stuff to me is, is watching him play. So, look, um, I, I, I wish him the best. Uh, I really do. I hope he can hang on to that starting job because, you know, that stuff doesn't come around often. Right. And I wish that the NFL, you know, celebrated a six-man like the NBA does mm-hmm. because I thought he was your best six-man last year yeah. anyway. He was a guy you can plug in. Uh, at pretty much any spot, and you didn't lose a step offensively. You didn't have to change much. So if he's in the starting lineup, then he's earned it, in my opinion. The thing I like about him is, you know, his approach to playing on the offensive line is somewhat similar to Roger Saffold's in that it's, all right, wherever they need me, that's where I'm going to play. You know, and we saw the same thing out of Roger. You know, think about, I think the last three games, Roger was at three different spots, left tackle, left guard, and then over at right tackle. So you don't want that to be the case because it means you're kind of shuffling things all over the place. But at the same time, if you have the ability to play in different spots on the line and people can plug and play you wherever and they're not losing anything. Oh, yeah. That's really valuable. Versatility is huge. It'll keep, it'll keep a, keep you in the NFL for a longer period of time, mm-hmm. but you want to get to the spot that you like to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to play here. So I can play anywhere you want, but this is where I want to play. So 
The only way to do that is to become great at that spot. Yeah. And talking to Jermon Brown. And I think I think Rogers at home at left guard. I think so too. Yeah. Don't fight it anymore. Yeah. You you, you could be a good left guard. Well, the thing about him you are too, a good left guard. The sidebar here, you know, yeah. he's now playing between two veterans. Uh huh. And that he's been saying has been pretty helpful for him because of all the experience that the three of them have together. I'm talking about Andrew Whitworth, um, Roger Saffold, and then John Sullivan at center. So when you have that kind of combination and they played in different places, they've all seen different things, they've all seen a lot. There's a lot of experience that all three of those guys can draw on and then be a much better offensive line unit than we've seen. That game within the game, it's like you know the play we're trying to run and then those veteran guys can tell you, okay, this is what they're going to try to do when we give them this look. So right. it just it helps you become better. And mm-hmm. once you get on the same page, when you have three veteran guys from the center left, I mean, like I said, it's only going to help the run game. It's only going to help your quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but for the right side of the line, I mean, right now, it's what's interesting is that you've got Jamon Brown at right tackle, and then Rob Havenstein at right guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember two years ago. We were thinking about them being flipped right. for you know the next five, six, seven, That's eight, however many guard. years. It is a that big is guard. That is a huge guard. It's interesting. The tallest guy in your football team is your guard. Well, that's Andrew Whitworth. I thought I thought Havenstein has him by an inch. Does he? I think he has him by an inch. I don't know. Maybe but, it's just that that Whitworth is so massive, and not that Rob Havenstein is not massive. Yeah, but Whitworth they'd be is a great tag like, team. <laughs> the they would. Two of them? They would be a great tag team. I mean, you're, yeah. uh, they look good coming off the bus. I bet they do. Yeah. yeah. They're not. You're not going to do much there. But um, with Havenstein, though, at, at right guard, it's this interesting dynamic for him. I mean, I was talking to him today after practice, and he said that he's trying to watch some different guys in order to pick up some things on the technique that you know you might not necessarily know just because you've been tackle and it's a it's the differences between playing tackle and guard you're in that phone booth and things happen a little bit quicker so he said that there are some tackle tendencies that he's trying to shed a little bit and I mean this is the time to do it well yeah I remember and this is funny because Jonathan Ogden is now in the Hall of Fame but Mm -hmm. when he came in as a rookie I actually faced him when he was a guard okay yeah and he was a little bit late on his punch huh you know he was he was still punching like a tackle would punch like tackles have an extra second or two to get those hands out on those defensive ends or outside linebackers. When you're in that phone booth, you better get your hands on that guy right now right. or he's going to be biased. So, you know, gave him some, gave him some trouble inside and outside a little <laughs> okay. bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, but once he bumped back to tackle, the guy became a, a Hall of Famer. But right. uh, it's the same thing. Every tackle that bumps down, they always have that same learning curve. It, it's going to happen quicker on the inside. Yeah. A lot of things can happen on the inside. So. Uh, the best thing that's going to happen to a guy like Rob Havenstein is when Aaron Donald gets back. I was just about because, to say that. Because, look, if you can get your hands on him, I mean, just even touch him, then every other tackle you play is going to be a little bit easier yes. than trying to catch that speeding bullet. Well, the other thing right now is that the, the, the offensive line is at a total disadvantage because they're not wearing pads. Right. I mean, it's so much harder for an offensive lineman to try to do anything to combat what a defensive lineman is doing. Why do you think it's always like bad for them not to have pads? It's not great for us either. Not great for defensive linemen well, either. I'm, we're talking about offensive line. Yeah, there's here, some things, line There's play. some moves I'd like to do on you that I can't because I don't have shoulder pads. Yeah, yet. exactly. I yeah. know you can't. So rip everyone's them down. at a disadvantage. Right. So but go ahead. It, no, stop but favoring think, the offense, Miles. I think the offensive line is at a bit more of a disadvantage because you can't shoot your hands and put them in and use the use the shoulder pad, you know, the chest plate, whatever, as, as your steering wheel. That's what you got there. Is this on camera? Yes, this is on camera, and okay. so people are now going to see a gif of me doing this. What is he doing? 
I'm using the shoulder pads to move. This is really bad radio. Go ahead. So let's move on. Go ahead. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna let you do it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but I think that's one of the things that you can't necessarily practice right now. Because if you're a guy like Rob Havenstein and you're trying to get this timing down, that's gonna have to come in training. The only camp. thing you can't do right now is drill a guy with your helmet. What? That's the only thing you can't do on the O-line. You can shoot your hands, you can punch for the chest, you, you can, can grab. You can punch for the it's, chest, but you, it's, it's not actually, the same. It's actually easier to grab guys when you don't have jerseys taped down. Okay, but you. But my point is that you can't do the technique as you would actually do it in the game. You can't finish a guy, but you can do the technique. Uh, you can okay, do the okay, technique, you just can't finish the guy. Okay, defensive yes, linemen. Yes, you can't make contact like you want to, but you can still work the technique. You can work the technique, yes. but it's not. I'm saying that it's Didn't not the way Didn't you watch today? The, yes. Those guys were going at it. Yes, yes no, it's there was great. technique out there. There's plenty of technique, and I think the, the thing you can see is the feet. <laughs> Stop. The thing you can see is the feet. Okay. The feet. The feet make. Uh, you made me lose my point because you were imitating me with the arms. I, did, I still You're don't know what that is. You're making a bad radio again. Can I? Can I go show that with the share that with the offensive coaches? No, that please technique? don't. Okay, never mind. <laughs> please, okay, go ahead. Please keep that from Aaron. I mean, Crawford I think that might help. He'll just laugh. That might no. help, Greg. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> it's not gonna help anybody. Show Roger how to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not. It's more of the. It's the steering wheel. I, I get you. I All get right. you. Go ahead. Yes, but uh, now it's, this is your steering wheel. Yeah, I don't know. Never mind. Go ahead. I know it's really bad. I'm See, just gonna stop just messing with you. Please. Do. Okay, go ahead. The feet are the important you. thing when you're talking about technique. I mean, it's important for a quarterback. It's important for offensive line. It's important for defensive line. But I think that's where you can kind of tell where things are going when you've got a guy's pass setting. Right. Yeah. No matter the, whether you've got it on pads or not, your feet need to be the same when you're pass setting True. because that is a part of the technique. So if you can get that right, then that's what you need to do. I think it was uh, Dan Deerdorf uh, would Jim Hannafin would cover his feet with paint, white paint, and they would have him do a pass set. Really? And then at the end of the day, there wouldn't be two sets of prints because every pass set was the same. Huh, I like that. Yeah, same thing. So that's that's what you're striving to get. So, I mean, it always changes in a game. The looks you get are gonna be different in practice. Right. looks you're gonna get are gonna be different. But if you can keep that same sort of pattern as you're backing up, it's only gonna make you better. Exactly, and that's what you need to do because your technique is the most important. I mean, we talk about footwork for quarterbacks all the time, but I think that footwork for an offensive lineman is just as important. That's why no it's good to have a veteran left tackle like Andrew Whitworth because everything looks the same. See that right no there? No matter what he's doing. Rob Havenstein just walked by. Yes, he That's did. six foot eight. Yeah, yeah, well, he looks every bit of it. I'm yeah. not, I, was, I didn't say he wasn't massive. If it's going to rain in California, he's going to know it before anybody. <laughs> Trust me on that. Okay. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> so who else has maybe stood out to you during the course of these OTAs? You know, I like watching LaMarcus Joyner at safety. Mm -hmm. I like his activity back there. Um, he gets to the ball in a blink, yeah. um, and that's what you want from your safety. Uh, he's a ball hawk. I remember when they drafted him, they called him the Frisbee dog. He'll go up and get it from anywhere. The Frisbee dog. You throw it, he's going to catch it. So that now feels he's... like a shot at his height somehow. No, no but <laughs> yeah, that's what they called him. But now at free safety, a center field safety, you have a chance to make plays on the football. So that's maybe a side of uh, LaMarcus that we didn't get to see that mm -hmm. you're going to get to see this year. So that's that's something that's about. The right side of the O-line, I mean, it's going to draw a lot of your attention because yeah. of it's in flux right now. Cooper Cup, the receiving core, I like these guys. Yeah. Now, you're out here in pajamas. I mean, no one's getting hit right now, but I like the three receiver combos they're yeah. throwing out there, plus the tight ends. Yeah. Everybody's athletic. Mm -hmm. Everybody's athletic. Everybody can run, and 
the one thing we did comment on last year was, or yesterday, yesterday's practice yeah. was, you see a lot of throws and catches. Yes. Not a lot of balls hitting the ground. Yes. Yeah, th th that's going to win for you. It is. And the thing Just I like, that alone well, is going to no, win for you. No, you're right. I mean, we've seen so many drops yeah. since I've been doing this over the last three seasons. I mean, and it's been an inordinate amount of drops, especially when you talk about things that happened last year. So you want to be able to see them catch the ball. And one of the things I really like is that they catch with their hands. They're always catching with their hands. I mean, Cooper Cup, the way he can snatch a ball and coverage down, I mean, he's got big hands. He uses them. Yeah. You know, you see the same kind of thing from Josh Reynolds. He's using his really big six foot three frame. He's going up, he's catching the ball with his hands. Same thing from Robert Woods. If there's something I think you can kind of take away from the new guys that the Rams have brought in, it's that. These guys are going to catch with their hands, and that's going to be very important. That's only going to help your quarterback. That is definitely going to help your quarterback. Yeah. No doubt. Um, and also watching the defense, just, you know, watching what what the possibilities are mm -hmm. with these bookends, with these outside linebackers, yeah. with Barvin, the way he plays and how smart he is, and Robert Quinn on the right side or wherever they line him yeah. up. And um, the worry about Mark Barron in a 3-4, completely gone. Now, yeah. you don't have pads on. Uh, no one's getting hit just yet. But you can start to see the structure of the defense and how that speed could help this defense yes. become better, even in a 3-4. So 3-4s uh, usually denote big guys and two-gapping. Yeah. Not anymore. Right. Yeah, you're just starting in a 3-4, but you're going to be running all over hell. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that definitely fits a guy like Mark Barron. Yeah, well, what about Robert Quinn? Because I know you got a chance to talk to him last week, and mm -hmm. I think everybody probably saw it. But what sort of things do you think you've seen from him? What did you glean from talking to him? You know, look, all Robert Quinn needs is just to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Stay on the football field, and he'll take care of the rest. Um, we had this discussion the other day. You don't see guys turn the corner as fast as Robert Quinn. That is so true. Yeah, I mean, like you talk about a handful of receivers, elite guys, yeah. and a handful of elite quarterbacks. There's only a handful of elite rushers that can turn on two steps. That is true. Yeah, I mean, your second step, you're actually turning towards the quarterback, and he can see it and feel it. That's going to help everybody else on the defense, yes. especially your left end. Uh, look, if you're a left-end guy, build a wall, cast your net, and wait. The quarterback's going to flush to you. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, 99's in the middle, too. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere to step. Right. Yeah, so for Robert, just stay on the field. Stay healthy, and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah, and I think that's the, I mean, you got to stay healthy. That's obviously the key for anybody on defense. But the thing I like, too, right now about this, about this scheme is Alec Ogletree, you know, making this transition to the 3-4. It's not been too difficult for him. Talked to him last week, talked to a linebackers coach Joe Barry last week, and both of them said it's not necessarily too different from what he was doing before. It's more or less just getting the terminology down. You know, what you're calling apples, now you're calling oranges. Right. And so even though, you know, you, you might think, oh my gosh, there's this big kind of difference in scheme, it's not too much for him to handle. And I think he's done a good job so no, far. No, he's, he's, he's a brilliant middle linebacker. Yeah. He's your quarterback on defense. Yes. Um, a, a new scheme, a new system, a new terminology package is not going to ruffle his feathers yeah. or rattle him at all. So, I mean, he's a leader out there. And I just wonder, what does he have to do to get in the conversation of the better middle linebackers in the National Football League? Or the sure. best middle linebackers? When they start talking about the guys that are the best, Luke Keekley, his name comes up. When does Alec Ogletree's name start being mentioned with those guys? What do you have to do? It might be... 200 tackles? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, so he was close. I mean, he got over 170 yeah. this past year, which is top five um, all time in Rams single season history. So it's not like he has not been a consistent performer, but I think when you look at team performance, I mean, last year the Rams went 4-12. and 12. I mean, they basically lost 
for the last three months of the season. So that might have wow. something to do with it. Was it really that long? It was really that long. Wow. I mean, you won I one day game in the last three months. I went day to day. So, yeah. Yeah, it was long. Yeah, wow. it was long. Yeah. But the, my, my point is simply this, that with Wade Phillips now, you have somebody who is known for creating elite defenses. So if the question is, what is it going to take? Well, maybe it's this. Maybe now we sort of start to see Alec Ogletree appear in those conversations, provided he stays healthy. You know, and he's surrounded with some good players or guys in front of him that are really good. So uh, there, there's not a lot of assisted tackles in this defense. I mean, mm -hmm. guys get to the football and the ball goes down. So, look, Tree has been playing great football. Um, I, I think this 3-4 could really help him be a more sideline-to-sideline -side guy. Yeah. You might see a close to 200 tackle performance out of him this year. Maybe so. And the one thing, uh, one more thing I'll bring up about Tree is what Joe Barry was saying last week is that every day he comes into the building and he'll start walking through the, the linebacker's room and to go get coffee in the cafeteria. And he sees Alec Ogletree. He's always there, 6.30 in the morning. He's there watching film. Good. So Ogletree's putting in the time. He's putting in the work. He shouldn't have a house. <laughs> Yeah, you shouldn't. You he's shouldn't got, be able to he's live. Got a wife you shouldn't. Kid. Be, you shouldn't live off campus. You should just live here. That's rude. Just put a cot in the weight room. Come on, you're he's good. He's gotta go back and see his baby. Don't you want to see your here. baby? Oh my room. God, put the no. babies in here. No, you're no, good. no, no. There's kids. a kitchen, right? No kids in daycare. There's a kitchen here. No kids in daycare. I don't like that. I don't oh, like how that old are all. the kids? I, uh, his kid, I think, is just about, about a year old. Okay, so put a diaper genie in the corner of the room. You're good. You're good. You don't need to leave. No. Stop that mess. You're only going home for four hours a day anyway. <laughs> What's the point? Just stay here. All right, we'll end on this. So the NBA Finals, obviously, they start tomorrow. You're I'm in sure trouble. you can guess You're where my loyalties lie. Do you have any predictions? Warriors in five. Wow, man. <laughs> Ouch. There's just too much coming the other way, man. No, I don't think There's so. There's too much coming the Dude, other way. Like, you know what? You're one of these people who like really likes to sell LeBron James stuff. I love LeBron James. He's the I best. I love Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I do, and okay. Kevin Love has been playing so outstanding basketball. One game, you think they can win one game in this series? You tell me who you leave open for Golden State, because you you're going to have to leave somebody. Well, yeah. Which guy are you going to leave open? No, it's going to be about. It's going to be this kind of attrition thing again. I mean, that's what it was last year. That's why the Cavs were able to win Game Seven because they'd had that. And didn't Draymond get suspended? Thing. Yes. Okay. I said was that's Steph why Curry they won healthy? Game Seven. Oh. Okay. I, I said game seven. Okay. I, look, the Draymond suspension happened. That yeah. definitely affected things. Steph Curry's health definitely affected things. But when it comes down to it, Cavs are still 2016 NBA champions. So that's the way it has to be. What do you mean five? What is this five? Five what? Five games is all you're going to get. No. You're gonna, <laughs> it's going to take at least six. At least six? Yes. And I believe for, that for the, the Cavs, Cavs to do what? I think that the Cavs will win. Oh, in six. Yeah. They're going to be Golden in State in six. Yeah, Cavs in six. I said it. I want the Cavs that hat. Are finally We're betting that hat. All right. I want that hat. <laughs> My gray Under Armour hat. That's right. That is really nice. I'm not nice. even going to wear it. I like this I'm hat. I'm just going to defile it. Ew. <laughs> 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 no, we will see what happens. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that May 31st, it is the 10-year anniversary of Game 5 in the 2007 Eastern Conference Finals where LeBron James scored the Cavaliers' last 25 points to beat the Detroit Pistons in overtime. So, Only you would know that. Oh, I'm, everybody in Cleveland knows that. Only you would know that. Yeah. No well, one here cares. Well, my friend, my friend and colleague Corey Beffert, you get a shout out for that because you're a Pistons fan. He scored the last 25 day. points. Last 25 points. God, I was be... in. My, it's great. Yeah. My mom was working that night, you know, yeah. being at the hospital on call, whatever, and so I was watching this like alone in our living room, going crazy on my. Who else was on the floor chair. for the Cavs? 
Uh, is that nobody. the Eric Snow years? Yeah, Eric oh. Snow, Larry Hughes, oh. Junis Ilgauskas, uh, uh, Sasha Pavlovic. How do you let one guy score all the points? Drew Gooden. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, the only he was the only guy who could really do. Drew anything. could play. He could play a little Drew bit. Drew could play. Isn't he still in the league? I don't no, know. I don't think so. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, if he is, he's he's on somebody's bench. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and LeBron James is still taking teams to the finals. So there he is. There it is. Right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. For my producer Matt, for Demarco Farr, I'm Miles Simmons. Wherever you may be in football, we'll see you next time. <laughs>